0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply.
1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: Live from downtown San Francisco, this is 95.7 The
3: The Game yes it is and we welcome you in here for the next four hours it's john dickinson joined by evan giddings evan good to be with you my man our first opportunity to work together in this capacity looking forward to the next four hours we got a lot to discuss in the world of sports, and I, I appreciate you being along for the ride here, man. Looking forward to this.
1: Absolutely, J.D., it's a pleasure to be on with you. Glad to be able to chop it up for the next four hours. Like you mentioned, there's a lot of stuff, even in the kind of slow time in the sports season here in the summer, that's been going down. So I'm excited to get to it and excited to be bringing that stuff to the people.
2: Yeah, a
3: lot to get into, including another Giants loss, as they now sit at 41-41. and 41. It's 8 of 9 now. It's 4-14 four and 14 in the last 18, which goes back to not even three weeks ago on Sunday. It'll be three weeks tomorrow, Father's Day Sunday, June the 19th. And with another loss to the Padres, Evan, it's just no end in sight for for this losing stretch of the Giants that in, in some ways came out of nowhere. I mean, they were 37-27. and 27. On June the 19th and right in the mix, I think that the second of the three wild cards at that point, but now three out of the second wild card, they're eighth in the National League and even the Miami Marlins are are only a game behind them. The Marlins are closer to them in ninth now than the Giants are to sixth and that third wild card spot. This is this is getting uglier by the day
1: it's getting scary because you're also getting to that time in the season where you need to make the decision of where you want to go at the deadline, whether you want to be sellers, whether you want to be buyers. And right now it doesn't seem like there's really a clear solution for San Francisco to be able to get themselves out of this, this hole that you just you just described. Like, And I was looking forward to this series because – Heading in, sure, they weren't playing their best ball, but I was curious if they were a team that would play up to the competition as much as they'd played down to some of those lesser teams that had given them fits in recent weeks. And, you know, last night was kind of a, a tough spot because you're in a bullpen scenario, you're starting Sammy Long, you know you're not going to get a quality start from your starting pitcher or not be able to go that deep, I should say but the night before you lose that one late after coming back and you know there just doesn't seem to be that magic that we have assumed that the giants were just going to be able to pull out of their hats and right now they sit at kind of the the place where right now they are like they're 41 and 41 they're a 500 team they're stuck in the middle they're not bad but they're not good either jd and and that's concerning for a lot of fans because they don't know what to make of this team
3: yeah, I mean, 41 and 41 is is middling. It is with the extra wild card still in the race. But the truth is, even with the extra spots, once you get to the trade deadline, which we're now a couple of weeks away from that, August the 2nd, you got to make some decisions. And if you're more than about three and a half games out, you probably should be a seller at that point. And, and it's a conversation that I never thought it was really going to get to that point because we've been so used to last year in particular, but even this year when when the Giants would maybe lose a couple, they'd, they'd bounce back and, and win a couple. They had the big sweep of the Dodgers going back a couple of weeks before they, they hit this, this losing spell. But everything is just careened here in the last three weeks, and it seems like there's no real way to save it Against Bad teams now good teams, but the Padres have been struggling themselves coming into this series. So I thought with the momentum of the Wednesday night win and the comeback that felt like 2021, you got Logan Webb going the next day. The Padres have struggled if there was an opportunity to not only reassert yourself in the wildcard race, but maybe even try and get closer to the Padres for, for second in the division. It would be this weekend. Still, two games to go, but all of that was snuffed out by these last two nights, and and last night in particular. And when you don't get Thursday, it and then like you said, you, you're going with a with a bullpen game, and you get down three nothing in the first inning. It just it, it just continues the spiral, and we've seen a lot of these spirals. I think over the decades, this is a different team. But we've we've seen and I'm starting to fear, Evan, that, that this is this is maybe something they can't come back from. And then the ramifications of that are all right, how do you start to look and maybe do you start to look at at the Giants since 2019 with Varhan Zaidi taking over? And does the context of all of that change based on you know, maybe last year does look like the the one year wonder and and then there's there a little bit more pressure. And one of the young guys coming, I know it was a conversation we had a lot on Steiny and Guru's show yesterday as I was, I was fitting, filling in for Steiny, but you know, with every loss, it feels like it's actually bigger than even two thousand and twenty two right now.
1: Yeah, I will say the one reason to be optimistic if you're a fan to me is is because as much as last year at this point in the season appears we've thrown around the word flukish, you know, a mirage as much as it seems like that right now. I would also argue that that's kind of why I feel like there maybe is a little bit of good baseball, great baseball potentially left in this roster because we're seeing the other side of the coin as far as players that, you know, last year had career years played up to potential everything just seemed to click. It was the perfect puzzle in the regular season, this year hasn't been the case because players have underperformed or regressed in a lot of different areas. And I would I would kind of think that eventually they're going to start to play up. I mean, Kapler's had to use guys in situations maybe where he wouldn't have last year because, you know, he just... Hasn't had as many options. There's been obviously a lot of injuries. I know Evan Longoria mentioned that last night. He's coming off the IL soon. Kapler talked about having a better second half and that having to do with health. So I think that... You know, players could start to regress in a positive fashion back to their means somewhere in between where they are now and where they are last year. The question becomes then is that good enough to get you to the third wild card spot? And right now, I mean, you mentioned Miami, who on paper might have more talent than the Giants. In front of them, you're looking at Atlanta, Philadelphia, teams that, you know, on paper have bigger name players, larger payrolls uh, outside of Miami. But that that's where, you know, it, it's kind of, I think it's difficult for a lot of fans to figure out if they want this team to sell. One, because you kind of are hoping that guys can turn back into themselves and, you know, the reverse pumpkin that, that they were last year and turn into the carriage. But then you know, okay, do you do you give up on a Jock Peterson who's going to become a free agent this year and is an all-star game starter? Do you, do you give up on Carlos Rodon who can walk at the end of this year and might want to go to a contender? Like, those are all, you know, decisions that Farhan is going to have to make in these next couple of weeks. And if he decides to go down the selling route, I can't necessarily fault him for that, even though... I don't necessarily see that as his style, as as a person who you know, quote unquote, gives up on a season before he's had a chance to use his spreadsheet to fully evaluate all the tools at his disposal.
3: Yeah, they. I, I think, and and who knows what what the internal numbers say about. Projections and and what this team could be in the second half. I know a lot of games still to be played against Arizona, which is where they made hay last year. But but they haven't, at least in the first series against the Diamondbacks, been able to to even replicate that in, in a in a meaningful way. When they really needed to maybe go down to Arizona and and take three this this past week, and they were just so lifeless. In particular, the first two games, really all three of the games in that series, they yeah. were lifeless until late before they kind of stole. The, the finale of that one to, to avoid the sweep. But it, it is interesting when you start to look at, at the big picture and you know, what do you do with the trade deadline? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of looking at it now. Forget about the Dodgers. Obviously the Mets and Brewers are, are not in your division. So you can't worry about that. Those are, are division winning conversations. Atlanta is so hot of late at, to the point where they're now 15 games over 500 you can almost forget about that as the the defending champs and a team with a lot of talent. I think this Padres series, unless the Giants can bounce back and win the last two, I mean, that's almost off limits. I mean, you're six and a half back of the Padres right now for for second in the division. In a way, it's almost there's one spot and it's Philly, St. Louis, the Giants. I'm not sure about Miami, but right now, as we talked about, you're closer to Miami. Beneath you than you are to St. Louis or Philadelphia, who has the last spot, the Phillies do, who are in front of you. So you know, the time is now, I think, over the course of these next three and a half weeks. As, as far as what you're talking about, what do you do? do you, what do you sell? You know, other than Radon and, and and Jock Peterson, who have been two of the, the Giants' best players this year, there are a lot to sell you know, compared to, to maybe – maybe where some guys were last year when obviously you didn't want to sell because you were among the best teams in baseball and wound up with the best record in in, in baseball. So it, it is a tricky scenario, I think, for Farhan Zaidi because he doesn't want this team to rebuild. And I think the Giants management doesn't want them to rebuild in the manner that maybe we've seen some of these other teams across baseball rebuild. I said it yesterday, they're waiting for a lot of young prospects to be able to come up who are I think anywhere between a year and a year and a half maybe away maybe a little bit longer on a couple of them but but 24 they don't want to suck in the meantime and I think last year gave them hope that they wouldn't have to suck like a lot of teams do but you look at where this team is now and it's it's kind of teetering on the brink of well what do you do if you do start to become uninspired and 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 play as poorly as this team has played without the success
1: i think the silver lining is that the teams that you know you mentioned including st louis like all of them any team in the nl that gets that final wild card spot is going to be flawed in some way shape or form like philadelphia is a little more top heavy as far as its lineup and pitching staff but their their bullpen's been pretty paltry you know they're 500 against teams above 500 you look at St. Louis you know they just lost Tyler O'Neill for an extended period of time they've dealt with their own internal injuries they've lost three of their last uh they're three and seven in their last 10 games like they're not necessarily playing a great against top tier competition despite the you know big names the the Goldschmidt's the Arenado's that we see on that roster and so, you know, those teams are absolutely catchable for, for the Giants. But I'm, I'm totally with you, JD. Like, they need to turn it around quickly. And I think that these next two days, next two games against the Padres are the perfect opportunity to prove not only to the rest of the league that you're in this, but more importantly, prove to yourself that you can get back on track and you can beat a quality opponent on the road. They haven't necessarily failed, fared better you know, outside of Oracle or inside it, you know, I think the the records are, are pretty similar around five hundred, which is where they are as a team. You know, but if you're looking at the people that you have to hurdle to get into the playoffs, which to me in in a weird way would would kind of soften the blow of you know coming down from 107 to wherever they're at. Like if they can sneak in as a wild card team, to me that's that's a win for this season, especially with what you mentioned in the farm system. You know, if you look at MLB pipeline taking a look at the kind of estimated times of arrival for these guys, you're looking at, you know, seven of their top 10 prospects. At least the ETA says around 23 to 24. So you may not have to wait as long as people are, are, are kind of, throwing out there when they say, oh, you know, the Giants are two, they're three years away. Maybe they're three years away from getting the the big boy free agent that everyone seems to want right now. But the prospects will hopefully be coming towards the end, if not midway through next season, some of the big guys, maybe not the Lucianos, but the Harrisons of the world. And that, to me, at least should give you some comfort knowing that you still can compete this year. I mean, you're only three games out behind Philadelphia for that last spot. And then also you do have young pups waiting in the wings and they're not as far, at least right now, as some would make it out to be. So there is some comfort in that, especially if they can find a just find a way to get into that last wildcard spot and kind of at least assure everyone that the Farhan plan is still in motion. 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570.
3: 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570. It's John Dickinson and Evan Giddings. We're here until 1 o'clock on 95.7 The Game. we got a lot to get into, starting the conversation with the Giants, who dropped another one last night. We will get into what's going on with the Warriors and the uh, big interview uh, from the week uh, with Tim Kawakami, the Athletic, on his podcast with Joe Lacob, the Warriors' owner, Tim joined Damon and Ratto uh, yesterday uh, to kind of talk about that conversation uh, and and put some uh, added context to it. Uh, Warriors did play their first Vegas summer league game last night. Moses Moody, awesome. Jonathan Kaminga struggled a little bit. James Wiseman set to to play. Uh, a competitive basketball game, one of uh, I think two competitive basketball games that that he would play in about a 14- or a 15-month span uh, tomorrow. So so some good news on the James Wiseman front. I know a lot of excitement about what Moses Moody was able to do yesterday. So uh, I'll give you between now and 1 o'clock, I'm not going to do it right now because I do want to get back into the Giants, Evan, but I'm going to give you my the, the J.D. rule of thumb <laughs> when it comes to how to how to evaluate summer league performances? There, there's there's just it, it's a very simple, basic rule of thumb. I know people are going crazy over Moses Moody. That's <laughs> a good thing, but uh, we'll, we'll I'll give you my my just you know, quick shot sheet on how to view uh, summer league properly and, and and get the most out of it while not overthinking the the, the good and the bad. I like but it. Back into the back into the Giants though, man. I, you know it's really threefold as as we're talking here. these next three plus weeks because everything that happens really it's already started but but they look like a team right now that needs the all-star break that's just desperate for the all-star break and it's funny because traditionally the all-star break would be after tomorrow but for this year it's it's later on the calendar a, a week later so rather than being able to kind of limp to tonight and tomorrow, maybe get a couple of wins and and head into the break and, and hit the reset button. They're going to have to fight through a full week of games next week, uh, including four against the, the Milwaukee Brewers, who are among the best teams in the National League. So they're not going to get the reprieve in, in that fashion. And then they come out of the break and they play the Dodgers right out of the chute, a four-game series down at, at Dodger Stadium. So th- the next – 3 weeks are, are going to tell a lot e uh but it's it, it's threefold it, it's going to make you rethink what to do with the deadline if you're the giants but i also think the next 3 weeks are going to make everyone question the plan from this past off season and the unwillingness to add star power to a team that was coming off 107 wins, regardless of what you think of of how legitimate the 107 wins were in 2021, but I also think it's going to cause fans and and media to look at the overall plan and the overall tenure of of Farhan Zaidi based on where this thing goes in these next three weeks, because we're going to know are they fighting for something still or are they not? I think they want to be fighting for something, but it, it it's there's a lot on the next 3 weeks is what I'm getting at. It's this season, but it's also pass or fail for what you did around the lockout and where you at now sitting in 2022 with what a lot of people call the Fourth year, right? Or is it fourth year? 19, 20, 20, The Depends fourth year the math, of the anxiety, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, the anxiety regime. That's that's a little fuzzy math for me, considering the circumstances. But but there's a lot on this next three weeks. That's the point.
1: And it's it's so interesting and and kind of funny. Like they have to find a way to validate hundred and seven wins. Like to me, the 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 beauty of baseball is because there are so many games that. You shouldn't have to validate it. Like the the sample size is there. If you're a 107 win team over the course of 162, like to me, you earn that. I mean, whether or not it should have been 107 or 100, like they were a great team last year, which also you know logically would lead you to believe that they don't really need to change much, and they didn't. They they you know they lost Gosman, and they bring in Rodon. You know, but they pretty much run back the majority of the core outside of Posey that was there last year, and so I don't think anyone could necessarily foresee the type of fall off that they've experienced in the last three four weeks coming off of that. I mean, last year they didn't have a losing month. I think they had two out of their first three months this season, and it just it just hasn't worked for whatever reason. But that's why at least these three weeks, I don't I don't know if they're going to be to me indicative of what happened last season and how I evaluate Farhan moving forward but I can absolutely see why someone would look at it that way because in a lot of ways there were a lot of you know critics and people kind of looking at the Giants with a side eye last year saying I don't know if this is really real and for everyone else they're just coming back down to earth like this is where I think a lot of people thought that they'd be last year and so it's 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 strange like Winning 107 in a way hurt Farhan and hurt the Giants based on setting an expectation and a bar for a lot of fans who are accustomed to watching the Warriors or watching, you know, the 49ers who have been in contention in recent years. And they come to expect that whenever you you know, have a great season, maybe not 107, but if you have a quality year, you should be able to replicate that moving forward. And that hasn't been the case for various reasons. But to me, I, I don't know if I would go as far as to say that I'm going to look at 107 as as a fluke or look at it differently because it was, it was a magical season and the magic wore off from the end of the Dodgers series and the NLDS until game one this season in 2022. That magic wore off, but it doesn't mean it wasn't there last year. It doesn't mean that what they did last season was false or any less impressive than what happened. So... You know, I, I think that Farhan will be questioned a little bit more moving forward if this season takes a downturn and continues the way that it's been in, in this past month. But it's it's just so, it's so weird to me that 107 is something that kind of hurts you, J.D., as opposed to something that uplifts you as an executive. Yeah, I, I kind of look at it this way.
3: They needed to validate 107 in the sense that, they they needed to make the playoffs this year with an added wild card spot. Like like to me, last year was its own entity, and I'm well on the record as as you know. We've had a million conversations about it off the air. Like I don't like using the f word. I, I don't I don't I think it's disrespectful to call 2021 a fluke, but at the same time they were never going to come close to replicating that. And and they really don't have to validate it. Or if they do have to validate it, the bar is much lower than, at least for me, what they were able to do last year. And, and I sort of come up with my own metric from, from watching them on a day-in, day-out basis last year. And it's like, well, what were they really? They were a really good team last year. 107? For last year, fine. Yes, you get credit for winning the division and manager of the year and, and all of that stuff that goes along with it. But they were really probably a mid, a low, I would say probably a 94 of 95 win team. And so I kind of look at what they did in the offseason. You lose Buster Posey. You don't really go out and add a star, although Jock Peterson is an all star starter announced yesterday. And I look at it as your. Probably not going to be quite as good as 92 to 95 wins, let's say. But you also have an extra wild card spot, and, and you only probably have to be maybe 86, 87 wins to get one of those spots when it's all said and done. So to me, it's less about validating the 107 by coming back and winning 94, 95, and more about just don't completely careen off the mountain and look like you're back to maybe where you were in 2019 or 2020, albeit with the prospects closer to to joining the party, that to me is where I've set that bar low and right now it looked like they were going to meet it and now it looks like maybe they're not going to meet it and then if they're not going to meet it, you have to change your evaluation at that point.
1: Sure. I also think that the competition factors into this too, just because it is such a top heavy league and it's pretty much feast or famine in, in major league baseball right now. You look at what the Yankees are doing. You look at what the Dodgers are doing a team in the giants division who they, you know, they beat by a game last year, but it took a lot in order to get to that point. And people didn't view what the Dodgers did as, you know, potentially flukish, but now they're looking at the giants like that. And you know, like that, that's kind of where I'm at with them is, is you are competing like 92, 94 wins that to me, that that's a good season. Like that is a 90 plus wins is where you want to be year in and year out, you know, to put it in basketball terms, that's around, you know, like a 50 win season, like the Spurs put together 50 win seasons year after year after year and people laud them for it. What the Giants are doing now because they over exceeded the 92 94 win expectation, have reset the bar to that of, for some fans, are expecting them to still be able to compete with the Dodgers, which you can on a on a night in a night out basis, but the spreadsheet would tell you that that is that just isn't going to happen. I think you know a lot of fans are are concerned about where they match up with the Padres, a team that is on the on their way up and has a lot of young, you know, good looking talent and. <laughs> How many games has Tatis played this year? Well, but that, but that's part of it too. It's like, they don't even have their quote unquote best player, but you look at a Mackenzie Gore, who's going to be starting uh, tomorrow. You look at, you know, some, like you look at the amount of money that they've been able to put into a guy like Machado. They, they go out and they trade for Grisham. They go out and trade for Musgrove. They trade for Snell. They trade for guys who, you know, aren't necessarily the biggest of names, but are winning players. And, it didn't work for them last year you know it, you could you could make a case that the managerial position is one that helped sort of switch them but but since the giants are up against both la and san diego people it's like it's almost like they want them to either be in the running for you know a world series or you know the division to win the division or they don't want them to compete at all it's 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 kind of the I don't know, like tank or, or win mindset that a lot of, of a lot of people have, which I, I get, but you know, the, the giants right now are I just like, they're in a, in, a, in a tough spot because they are in the, one of the toughest divisions in baseball and the Dodgers right now are, are incredible and they don't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. And so I do think if you're looking at who they have to play against, who they have to overcome in order to be on top in the West, I do see why there is pessimism around what the Giants currently have, especially since the front office hasn't really shown that, you know, they they, they kind of care about being on the same uh, spending plane with San Diego or Los Angeles, even though people want to, you know, see them in as big players in a quote-unquote big NorCal market.
3: All right, he's Evan Giddings. I'm John Dickinson, 888 957 Chris and AJ, we're getting to you, coming right out of the shoot here. We'll pause quickly. We'll come back. Giant season kind of on the brink right now with a couple of weeks to go before the trade deadline. Still a week plus until the All-Star break as they take on the Padres again tonight. Uh, phone calls coming up. We'll get to the text messages as well. It's J.D. and Evan here on 95.7 The Game.
2: Now back to ninety-five-seven, the game
3: off and running here on a Saturday morning. John Dickinson, Evan Giddings, 0. As we are with you until one o'clock, we're talking some Giants here. San Francisco, forty-one and forty-one. They've dropped eight of nine. They're four and fourteen in their last eighteen, and no end in sight to the struggles. How does that change? Maybe how you reevaluate. The way the Giants were in the offseason coming off of 107 wins and the decisions made, does it change the context of the overall plan as Farhan Zaidi took over uh, leading into the 2019 season and just where the Giants are at with a lot of their top prospects still on the outside looking in. Uh, let, let's get to a couple of calls here, Evan. We had a couple of folks uh, waiting patiently here through the break, So We always appreciate that. Let's start with Chris in San Jose here on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Chris. Hey, how are you?
2: Uh, good. good. I just want to ask you a question about the farm system, okay? So if you were to look at the evaluations from two years ago, would they have said that the prospects that we're looking at today would have been 2023, 2024? Or have some of these guys not progressed as fast as they thought they were? That's my first question. It's that, you know, we've been hearing about these prospects for a long time. And it just doesn't seem that there's a lot of other teams out there that are bringing guys up on a consistent basis. That, that are producing, and they really don't have anybody. I mean, they talk about Ramos and some of these guys and everything, and I just want to know if they missed the evaluation on some of these guys, that it took longer for them to progress or, you know. Uh, and the other thing sure. is, is that, you know, if you look at last year, the – the Dodgers did so horrible at the beginning of the year, and yet they were able to come up with 106 wins. I mean, if you're far on and you're looking at that and saying, God, these guys got all these stars and they played bad, and they were still able to, they, they came back and got 106 wins, is, is the projection to go ahead and win the division, or is it just to make the playoffs? Because if you're looking at this as intelligent as that guy is, and you're saying to yourself, I go, look, the th- first 33% of the season, these guys did horrible, and they roared back and, and won all these games at the end and got 106 wins. I mean, is it really just to make the playoffs, or is it really to try to beat the Dodgers and win the division? Because if that's the case, then they would have had to gone out and got bigger stars or he missed on the projections and thought that some of these guys were going to be superstars that were going to come in. And, you know, you take into account that, yeah. that Buster Posey isn't in the lineup and stuff, I mean, it makes a difference.
3: No, it makes a big difference. Thanks for the call, Chris. A couple of good things to chew on there. My take on, on the last part, and look, the Dodgers are on pace right now to win 105 games, so they're not quite as good uh, even this year. I, I'm kidding when I say that because they're freaking <laughs> loaded and they won again last night in, in come-from-behind fashion against the Cubs. I think down 3 nothing in that game. They won it 4-3. to uh, But I, I think as far as the division goes, I, I think and Giants fans are going to hate this, and this was something I jotted down during the break, like all of the things that really piss off Giants fans that are suddenly in play here, and, and not, we'll just hit one of them right here, and then we can get into the prospect part of it too. But I do think the Giants looked at this year – almost as the Rays or the A's looked at a lot of those years where the Rays specifically, you're going up against the Red Sox. You're going up against the Yankees. They're the the high-profile teams that are spending all the money that have all the name-brand talent. You are just trying to off of 107, come back and, and be available to, to, to make the playoffs. And, and I don't want to say you weren't going to contend in the division, but last year told you you probably weren't going to contend in the division.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and that's what made last year so special and has made this year so disappointing because, you know, there wasn't a lot that was changed from last season to this season and the Dodgers went out and, you know, you can make the argument they got better in getting Freddie Freeman. I know that, you know, they the whole Bauer thing blew up in their face and they've lost Walker Bueller for an extended period of time. Kershaw's been on and off the IL, but they just are a machine. They continue to roll. And that is is obviously where the Giants eventually want to be, where you are in the position where if a guy goes down, you have a next man up that is going to be able to fill that production, whether it be on the stat sheet or or in the box score. Like you need guys that can step up because eventually you're going to get faced with injuries throughout a 162 game season. And that's I mean that's what Kapler doesn't have to me this year that he had last year. Not necessarily the the different options, but dependability. Like he doesn't have an an option to go to off the bench and there are less decisions he has to make this year than last because of the injection of the DH into the NL. But he doesn't have guys on his bench or or even sometimes in his starting lineup that you can look at and say, hey, you know, two-out, runner-on-second-base situation. There were a couple of them last night, runners in scoring position with two-outs where the Giants could not get it done. Meanwhile, on the other side, that happened to be what the Padres used to create the insurance, to create the cushion between them and what eventually became a 6-3 loss for the Giants. So... You know, I, and, and that's something you, you can't always depend on, uh, guys, to be able to come through and clutch spots. But last year it happened so much, I think we just, just became kind of numb to it and expected that, you know, whether it be Listella or Yaz or Ruff, like guys are going to step up in certain spots and they haven't done it this year, which is the perplexing part, but also is the part to me that that kind of makes sense because the numbers would tell you that they're not – as good as they were last season and with runners in scoring position. And it just so happens that it seems to rear its ugly head in each spot where they need it. We talked about last night being a game that, you know, maybe you weren't supposed to win with Snell and long on the mound, but the day before on Friday where they tied the game in the ninth inning and you feel like the giants are starting to recreate that magic that you alluded to JD down in the desert against Arizona. But then Next inning, what happens? You know, guys can't throw strikes. The Padres get the hits they need to. They walk away with the win, and you're left back at square zero, saying, "Well, I, I guess just today wasn't our day." And the issue is, it's been too many of those days at this point, and especially recently, it's been too many of the Capler post game talking about how. You know, we just didn't get the hits that we needed to. We we didn't make the pitches that we needed to. We didn't we didn't play defense the way that we can. Well, when's that going to change? Because you got three weeks to prove to me that you can be closer to the team you were last year than the team you are this year. And right now, I'm not seeing it. The one thing that I
3: know for sure, Kapler's got no answer for this. And <laughs> and I'm not even saying it's. I, I'm not even coming down his road like it's his fault. When when, when I say that. But the only answers Gabe Kapler's got are, are, are what Farhan Zaidi provides him in terms of, of options and, and guys that are going to come through. And I think we're already seeing, and this was a concern that that never really had to come to fruition because of the unique timeline. But big concern I had as far as the Gabe Kapler hire overall was how is he going to handle losing? And how is his, his act, his demeanor his his explanation of process how does that hit when you aren't winning and the reality is other than those first 24 games of the pandemic shortened season he hadn't really had to deal with a lot of that until the last three weeks and you know one of the concerns that i had was he just would start to come off as really awkward uncomfortable unsure and and you know somebody that, that doesn't have that like like it's it's cute to expound upon process and, and all this stuff when you're you're winning at the level and in the manner that the Giants were, were winning last year. I mean it really lends itself to kind of gassing yourself up and gassing your coaching staff up. And, you know, it, it, it's like out the outcome would almost revise history as to the process, right? Darren Ruff, it's a clutch three-run homer in a game that you really weren't playing all that great. You win, and now all of a sudden you're talking about, uh, you know, the, the, the sessions that he spent w- in the cage with the unique – you know, different way they watch film, and it all just sounds cute like your next level. Well, if Darren Ruff flies out to the warning track and you lose a game where you played lifeless, that then, then what do you got if you're Kapler <laughs> you know, after after games like that? So I, in some ways it's not his fault, but I also just don't think he's got anything in the tank to, to, to figure it out. And that may not be what – Probably not why he got the job. To be perfectly honest,
1: no. A lot of the younger, more analytically driven managers that are in baseball are in the position that they're at because they are fully open to what the real head of the snake, the real brain trust in this case, Farhan Zaidi, wants to do on the field, and so he's going to be, you know, kind of the 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 middleman between that in getting what Zaidi's vision is into the lineup. But as far as Kaplar and, and this is kind of the issue that I have is, you know, like when you are that, that process driven kind of stoic, like you don't have any excuses because you don't really have a, a backup. Like you don't have a card that you can play outside of, well, the process is, is working or the process is not working. And eventually that gets old. Like if, if you're a losing team, you can't continually harp on the process because, we saw quote unquote the process get you to 107 wins last year so clearly either something is wrong with your current process or something was you know a little bit out of the ordinary for the process last year but i mean l- comparing last year to this year like something that i at least jotted down when i was i was watching the game yesterday was you know the fact that and kapler kind of talked about it but you know a guy like jock peterson for example You know, not in the lineup against a lefty in Blake Snell, which statistically totally understand the move. Jock Peterson's a 260, 270 hitter against righties this year. He's hitting 210 against lefties in the few opportunities that he's been given. I get it. But the Giants, what they don't have right now is is an everyday impact player. Like if you look at the guys who are currently have the most at bats on the San Francisco Giants, it goes Yastrzemski, who's hitting two twenty seven, Wilmer Flores, who's hitting two forty, and Tyro Estrada, who's hitting two fifty-three. Now, the averages may come up, but none of those guys are any, you know, bats or or gloves, frankly, that scare you when you're looking at them. As an opposing pitcher or an opposing team, and so and, and Yaz by
3: and Yaz by the way is eight for his last seventy one.
1: Yeah, I mean he's and he, that's kind of indicative of where the Giants are. Like right now, they are kind of in a free fall, and they don't have to me someone that can you know stop that, and they don't have someone. I, in this case, you would hope it would be your manager, but to be able to find a way to light a fire under this group, but that's as you talked about JD, like that's not Kapler's style. And I don't know if it will ever be his style. He just seems no. to be, to me, you know, like he, he's the conduit between Farhan and the club. And that's all well and good when you're winning. But when you're losing and I hear you give the same answers night in and night out, I'm going to look at you a little bit differently. Not that you are the problem, but definitely that you're not the solution.
3: Let's get to A.J. A.J. joining us from Arizona at 888 A.J., you're on with J.D. and Evan. What's going on, A.J.?
5: Hey, fellas. Thanks for taking the call. Love the show. Love the talk. Uh, just kind of an outside perspective. Um, I'm a lifelong Giants fan, first of all, but coming looking at it from the outside out here in Arizona, you know, I think, it, I think that's a culmination of, of things going on with this team. But, if, you know, let's start with Kapler. He can't light a fire under these players if they don't have it within them to be able to – to show, I mean, if they don't, if we have a, a lack of talent in the in the roster and the players in the team, um, you know, then that's not going to come out no matter how how high he turns up that fire. Last year, a lot of things hit, like every move was correct, but you know, it's not sustainable. 107 wins is fantastic, but you got to look at your roster, your team, your organization year to year as a as a unique situation. And I think right now the Giants are not attracting you know, you you can spend money, you can spend it on stars, your farm, wherever. I think you got to attract the right type of star, guys that can carry, like a Manny Machado is doing for the Padres. And right now, the Giants, for some reason, maybe from the ownership, maybe they're not all on the same page, but they're not willing to get those big time when, you know, once-in-a-lifetime type players when they should. And I know, like, you know, I know Chris Bryant's having a horrible year this year with Colorado, but you know what? Chris Bryant could have They could have kept them. They probably could have maybe overspent a little bit, but kept them because what he had going on with the Giants last year was working. You added John Peterson to a Chris Bryant, all of a sudden our lineup looks pretty pretty stout. And if you're you're depending on guys like Ruff to carry you, then good night, Irene. We're not going to be able to keep up with the Dodgers, not going to be able to keep up with the Padres. And the Giants overachieved last year to some degree. The Padres underachieved to some degree. I think that's why you're seeing those two teams flip. They act like the Dodgers more than anybody in the division. I think you're going to have to act like that model to bring it all together. And ownership and and Farhan are going to have to get on the same page to bring in the right person now to do that. Love the show, guys. Thanks a lot. Great
3: phone call. Look, the Padres model, I think, is something. You just watch the game, and and you know they sold out the first two games of that series. They they have sold out, I think, 15 games this season. Uh, down in San Diego, and they've they've got an energy that I think would make a lot of Giants fans jealous. Like, forget about the Dodgers, but they're you know, they they got athletes, they got talent, they got dudes with charisma. Like they they play the game with a little bit of swag. And you know, I think what flipped it for them, frankly, was just hiring Bob Melvin, like point blank, to to go in there and just clean up their act because they played shoddy, just uninspired terrible defense, they, they, they played like a poorly managed team the last couple of years. They go and they hire Bob Melvin, who's won in all kinds of different ways in, in the major leagues, and he basically cleaned their act up, and now they are hitting the marks at the level by which their talent would dictate they should be hitting. And, oh, yeah, they haven't had Fernando Tatis take a swing for him. At any at any point yet, uh, but I think the Padres' model when you start looking at it, Evan, is a model that I mean I'll I'll just reiterate what I said. I think it makes Giants fans jealous because they went out and they spent and they have dudes that are here and it's just working and clicking and and it's electric in the ballpark. I mean that's that's what the Giants fans
1: want. That they do, and I think that the Padres, I mean it's not it's not Farhan Zaidi style, but they chose to go out and get. A Machado to get a Hosmer and then bring the homegrown guys up you know after they already they already acquired pieces that you would like to be a part of like but there's also some revisionist history like as much as many Machado has been fantastic especially these last two games has just been a giant's killer uh this season and beyond. You know, a lot of people looked at the Padres a little strangely when they threw three hundred million dollars at him. Like he was seen as as a great young talent in Baltimore, but was also kind of a problem child. Like he he would throw temper tantrums. He he was kind of not really a locker room guy the way he's seen now in San Diego. And as still young, but you know, a veteran of that group, he is much more of a leader now than he was with the Orioles. And I'm sure. A change in scenery altered that a lot. I'm sure also being a part of, um, you know, kind of more of a winning organization, especially recently, that's a part of it too. And they were able to sell Machado on coming to San Diego, which in turn, you know, when you bring up Tatis, when you bring up all these different guys, when you go out and trade for a Will Myers, when you go out and get different arms, you know, like all of that kind of clicks together. The Padres, the one thing they did have though when they signed Machado was they had a strong farm system now they weren't all in the major leagues in fact not many of them were at all but they at least had something to sell to Machado to say hey if you join us you can be the leader of this team we can turn you can be the mvp candidate we know you can be and also we're going to bring guys up around you we're not going to be afraid to go out and trade the farm to acquire a talent that we can pair next to you. And I think that's what Giants fans are kind of hoping for in a way that, you know, instead of having to wait for the prospects to come up and then the free agent gets into the mix. I think what fans want is to be able to go out and not necessarily copy, but to allow that to influence what you have here. And I don't know if it's a judge or an Otani, but, but some sort of big name that you can then sell to both the fan base as well as the people inside your organization. Because the one thing to me that the Padres have, especially right now more than last year, that the Giants cannot say this year, is they have an identity. Like you talked about the amount of fun, the amount of youth, the amount of exuberance that they play the game with. That may all start with, with Melvin, who himself is you know, pretty even keel as a manager, but they have an identity. And right now we don't know what the Giants' identity is. And because of how they're playing, J.D., we, I, I, I think people are starting to reevaluate what the quote-unquote identity of last year's team was. No, no question.
3: And I think it's, you know, have fun as far as the Padres go, play loose, but that doesn't mean... Play loose, like making errors and not running things out, and and just you know having terrible at bats. I mean, that's the thing that they've that they've been able to to clean up. And you're right. I, I mean, as far as Machado goes, people were looking at that as, boy, what are they doing, and are they gonna, and, and how long is that gonna last before they wind up maybe shipping him somewhere else? The the Hosmer deal looked really bad <laughs> and, until there was a, some more talent added and he looked like a dude that took the cash and just wanted to chill yeah. down in Coronado and <laughs> and you know uh and just hang out so uh I I think when you look at it though they they did it in a way that Giants fans I think would would prefer I think you know name players star players Still find the Ruffs and the Estrada's and the Yastrzemski's and, and, and pepper them in. But but give them a couple. Of, you know, Chris Bryant, we had the caller that mentioned Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant hadn't even played until like two weeks ago. I mean, it's just, I mean, that Chris Bryant would have been a disaster. And I think that's that's part of why Farhan Zaidi got the job was because the Giants didn't want to continue to to sign guys like that that were on the downturn or keep their own now maybe they got snookered into keeping their own again last year because belt and crawford played so well for them and they won 107 games when they were prepared to move off of those guys so i do think that's one of the areas where they are a little bit of a victim of of their success because if they had just been an ordinary good team last year maybe it would have been easier to to move off of those guys
1: But I also give them credit, too, you know, as much as Chris Bryant hasn't played well this year, that that was the right decision to let that guy walk. And you didn't have to give up much for him last trade deadline. But I'm I'm wondering, though, like, do, do fans almost, would they prefer to have Chris Bryant back? Not necessarily because he'd be a different player, but because there would be something to blame. Like right now, I think the, the issue that a lot of fans <laughs> well, have, is you, maybe-
3: can blame, you can blame, you could blame Farhan. Uh, like I would be a lot more pissed off at Farhan Zaidi. If he had re-signed Chris Bryant, who hadn't played until two weeks ago. And this team was 41 and 41. Like I would be more mad about that than about this, believe it or not.
1: But I think there's some comfort in that. Like there's comfort in knowing where you are allowed. And there's a clear cut you know criminal in this case there's a place where you can go to say that's the reason why we're not playing well right now since not much change from last season and you could even say they got better in some positions people are just they're, they're just they don't know what's going on they're confused and that's a difficult place to be for a fan and i just wonder if having some sort of scapegoat more than a front office member who we don't hear or see a lot of You know, and as we've kind of discussed, Kapler in a lot of ways is not the maestro, but he is the puppet. He is the guy whose strings are being pulled by Farhan Zaidi. And we're not at a place, at least I'm not at a place where I can blame him solely for what happened this season because he just had a 107 win year. So I wonder, you know, if if almost not re-signing those guys or not bringing in someone else like makes fans feel strange because they don't have anywhere they don't know where to put their blame and they just bottle it up and then it comes out and they i don't know they, they get mad at cap or they get mad at yaz they get mad at rough but they don't have a singular person to be solely mad at and that's tough for fans
3: it is i think that person though especially depending upon the next three weeks and and the next three months is it, it's trending the the Farhan Zaidi wrote a couple of things we didn't get to. I want to come back here. Uh, We do have one hour in the books. It's JD and Evan. The, the, the the giants do have an all-star. The giants do have an all-star and an all-star starter, but I want to get into just how even that is, is indicative of the, the conundrum and just where this giants team is at. We also need to answer the question from our first caller about the prospects. Have the Giants maybe missed on some prospects, or the timeline, has it shifted? We'll get into that coming back as well. Three hours still to go. We're with the Intel one. It's J.D. and Evan, 95.7 The Game.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
0: I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.